When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to today's podcast of Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell. Today's guest is Art Schumann, lifelong coffee farmer and fire roast master for Heavenly Hawaiian Farm, located on beautiful Kona, Hawaii. On this podcast, Art breaks down what makes Kona Hawaiian coffee so special and takes us on a little tour to discuss the process of coffee production from seed to cup. You are a fire roast master for Heavenly Hawaiian Farms Coffee. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in coffee? So my father came from Wisconsin and worked for JPL during Vietnam and then said, screw all that, I'm moving to Hawaii to grow coffee. My mother comes from my grandfather who was in Pearl Harbor when they got bombed back in 41. And that's how my parents met here on this island. And I was born in the South Point area. And my father got a coffee farm when I was young. And so I kind of grew up working on the farm a little bit, um, but also enjoying the rest of Hawaii at the same time. And so mm. nowadays I take care of the personnel here at Heavenly Hawaiian as a manager. Um, I roast my own coffee as a roaster here and um, a few extra side jobs and stuff. Okay, let's talk about Kona Island Coffee. You do tours. You and Jellica do tours often. Uh, there on the farm. If I was there, what would I see? How would we start the tour? And let's just go through it right now. So if you were on this particular property, you would be on property that had lava a thousand years ago. Mm. Uh, that does change depending on where you are in Kona, but right where we are, it's a thousand years. And so therefore, when it rains here, the, the watersheds aren't deep enough. The rain hasn't caused enough erosion yet. It's just too young. So therefore, the rain overflows and then heads downhill in every direction because it's just gravity. And what that does is it takes everything that's going to be soil downhill and it's not going to be soil, just flushes it down to the ocean. Mm. So um, the first people to, to plant here were the Japanese uh, for coffee. The tree itself got here in 1813, though. Um, a Spanish monk brought it. Uh, uh, it was a Brazilian tree and they brought it here as a gift to King Kamehameha. So it was mm. just a house plant gift is all it was back then. Um, somebody tried it on Oahu near UH Manoa, actually, um, for about 15 years to about the 1830s, but it didn't take off. It wasn't popular. Trees didn't do well. And then about the 1890s, the Japanese planted it here in Kona. The first thing they did was terrace the land and that's how they started catching soil. They basically flattened every area that they could and built these rock terraces, um, which some of them still exist. In fact, my father's farm was never bulldozed or modernized. He still has trees planted by the Japanese back in 1910. So the coffee trees can definitely get old. And what you're going to do is you're going to bring these coffee trees from other parts. Well, the first tree that actually worked well was Guatemalan Tipica. 
part of the Arabica family of coffee trees. It's kind of the best tasting variety. And again, these, these varieties were brought from other places in the world and grown here. This is real similar to the wine industry. You know, Napa Valley never had wine grapes before, but somebody brought them from, you know, Spain, Italy, France, and they happen to grow better there. And therefore, Napa Valley is what it is today. So Kona is kind of similar in that way. Uh, about the 1930s, people started bringing coffee here from other parts of the world. And that's when Kona could finally compare their coffee to other places. And that's when they kind of knew it was really good coffee. And that's kind of when the industry kind of sprang up. Um, so you see a lot of coffee farms that were established in the 1940s, for example, right after that. Um, and different things have happened here, but the, but the trees themselves just grow really well here. Um, coffee trees are a little bit different here than they are in other places, regardless of origin, because they're grown here. Again, same thing with wine grapes in California, growing better than their host country. Um, two attributes that follow coffee trees here one of them is going to be less caffeine. Caffeine is produced by a tree for a couple of reasons. One is a byproduct of stress. Another is an insect propellant. Mm. So the fact that we have a real lackadaisical lifestyle here and the fact that we don't have as many bugs as other places comparatively, um, especially compared to like Central America or something. Um, therefore, the trees produce less caffeine. They just don't need to. Mm. Uh, another thing and the most important is the low acidity that's in our trees come or coffee comes directly from the volcanic package that's underneath of us. Kind of like orchids, you know, you want a lot of drainage for coffee trees. They don't want standing water. So in fact, coffee trees were originally planted in Kona for their root systems. The root systems are extremely strong and they can break right through solid lava rock. So they want drainage. They don't want standing water. And that's what causes acidity in plants is like ponds or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the coffee here is low acidity and that's what causes the smooth flavor and this nice, easy going down into the stomach and it doesn't kill our stomachs, you know. Um, so Kona's coffee is, is more pure that way, I guess you could say. There's a lot of people that drink our coffee black that they don't, they would never try coffee black normally. Mm -hmm. um, they, and it, it tastes a lot more like tea or has a more full flavor and therefore it's drinkable black. I have my own way of drinking coffee, but that's because of how I was trained to roast. The climate's number one, the climate. The climate in Kona is extremely specific. It's the, so there's 11 climates on this island and there are 14 found in the world. You know, there's only a few we don't have like the extremes. Although Mauna Kea hit negative 51 Fahrenheit two years ago, that was pretty crazy. We have a filtered package. What we have is we're on the west side of the mountains. And so overnight, this is again, this is a typical day not every day. The west side clears out overnight. So usually when we wake up in the morning here in Kona, it's gorgeous. Kona is famous for its morning sunshine. And coffee trees are similar to skin in the fact that they want sunshine, they need it, but they want the gentle sun, just like our skin. And so what we get pretty regularly, almost every day of the year, is morning sunshine, and then the afternoon clouds come in. Basically, mm -hmm. it's the inversion layer. It floats in from the, west, the east side of the island our weather goes east to west here predominantly. So the weather kind of comes around the e from the east and only sticks up onto the mountain. So the mountain we live on, Hualalai in Hawaiian means mountain in the clouds. And it's a specific area where the clouds go. For example, if you were in downtown Kailua Kona, they only get about 20 inches of rain a year. Whereas up here at this farm, Heavenly Hawaiian gets about 80 inches. So Therefore, it has the ability to grow lush and tropical environment 
compared to downtown, which is very dry. Um, so it's really a trifecta, morning sunshine, afternoon cloud cover, and the rain that comes with it. And the coffee trees just love it. It's magic. And therefore, they produce coffee like no other. And then, of course, you have the varieties, but every single variety that grows here compared to its host origin tends to taste better. Hmm, interesting. I'm not going to say always better, but tends to. So you're with Heavenly Hawaiian, uh, or you've been there for how, how long have you been there? I've been here four years. Okay. Um, Heavenly Hawaiian is the neighbor of my father's farm. So my father's farm is just half a mile up the road from here. So at Heavenly Hawaiian, uh, how large is the farm, roughly, if you know, and how many trees? So we're 40 acres and about 20,000 coffee trees. Ooh, wow. Every one of those 20,000 coffee trees is picked by hand. Um, the pickers will basically um, hand pick to select the best beans. Coffee beans go from kind of a greenish color to a yellowish to a reddish to kind of a purpley maroon color, which mm -hmm. is ripe. And then if we miss them, they turn into the black raisin style. So you want to pick them at their optimal time for the best flavor, just like you would want to eat a ripe banana versus any other type of banana. Mm. So um, I often make a comparison that if you're drinking a cup like Folgers, which is doing their job, they're, they're producing millions of pounds of coffee for the millions of people that need it in that form, mm -hmm. but their production, not quality. And they harvest by machines. So if you imagine Brazil, number one coffee producing country, millions of trees, they got nets under them and a machine comes by and shakes the tree. Mm. Well, coffee trees produce these ripenesses all the time. Um, depending on the time of year, it can change for harvest. But when we harvest coffee trees, we're harvesting the ripe beans only. There's still other colors on the tree at the same time. Mm -hmm. So our pickers are trained to just pick the ripe colors to make sure we have the best flavor. Folgers is harvesting by machine. They're getting all of those ripenesses at the same time. Mm. So a cup of Folgers is kind of like making banana bread out of green and yellow and rotten bananas all together. <laughs> kind of a, a it's blend. It's not going to taste good. Yeah. So we mm. hand select the beans. And then when we process them, we, we could do it in a couple of different ways, but I'm only going to go over the main way um, is that we throw it into water. Mm -hmm. um, water will process by doing a few things. First of all, uh, the water will float away some of the bad ones. We do have a couple of things here. So really what we're doing is we're taking a fruit from a tree. We're removing four layers on the outside to get to the seeds inside this fruit. Mm. Those seeds are processed, dried, and then later roasted. And then you finally get to where you call them coffee beans. But they're not beans at all. They're actually seeds. When they're picking the different seeds... Of course, they're picking the ripe ones. The ones that are still left on the tree, do they go back like a week or so later to see how close they're getting and start picking again? Correct. If I uh, Keep in mind, every season can be different here, but the general intervals is about every three weeks. You want to keep touching the tree. This is hmm. general harvest season is from July to December. Mm -hmm. There's always anomalies. There's always sometimes you stretch in January like we are this year. And then also an average amount of rounds is about eight. However, on a really good year, I've seen as many as 15 rounds. So it can vary, again, based on season. Everything can always vary based on season. So do you have different types of uh, trees that do different seeds? Or are they all one type of coffee? So on this particular farm, they're all Arabica. Mm -hmm. However, we have three varieties of Arabica. One is the original Guatemalan Typica, which now just is called Kona Typica because it's, it's kind of the original and then we have a hybrid tree called progeny. We take the Guatemalan typical root system, 
and we graft onto the top of that the Costa Rican progeny, and therefore it's a grafted tree. And then we also have only two acres, but we have what's called Brazilian mocahibre. Hmm. And uh, that one's kind of hard to pronounce, but um, that one's a really large bean. So keep in mind that coffee beans here in Kona, most of the time are generally the same size because they're the same type of trees. Mm-hmm. But there's always anomalies. The type from Brazil that we have is a very, very large bean. So we actually just call it big bean as a short nickname. If you were in Ethiopia, you would have a really, really large bean. And so the size of the bean is going to matter because there's airspace inside. So when you throw it into a roaster, it's going to roast differently based on the size of the bean. So if you were trying to do a light roast, for example, you would want a really big bean. But if you're doing a dark roast, it wouldn't matter as much because you can roast anything dark, which is why Starbucks gets the nickname of Charbucks often because they roast their coffee very dark to cover up a lot of defects. Tell me about the coffee. When you pick the coffee to roast, do you have, do you take it at a certain time? It looks a certain way or you just, you know, so how do you approach the roast? After the milling, after the milling is done, we, we, we store in our, um, our vault. Um, coffee here at this farm and many places here is aged. We age our coffee about two to three months. Uh, the complex sugars break down into simple sugars and the coffee gets smoother and smoother as it ages. Now, one, then the coffee goes back to a, what's called a dry mill. And what they do is they take off all the rest of the layers and then they return to us a green bean. Now, one thing that's very important is that there's a difference between a, a non-quality company and a quality company here in Kona. Mm-hmm. One of them is a non-quality, uncertified coffee, in which case they can just take any of those green beans, put it into a roasting machine, and you have roasted coffee. Mm. But then there is a certified coffee company like ourselves. There are two requirements for the certification process. One is bean size, and the other one is defect ratio. So when you do that, you get an echelon of coffee beans. So you have uncertified, that's the big category on the bottom. And then you have the bean measurements, which is 16, 17, 18, and 19 millimeters. And each one of those tiers has a name, which is kind of wonky. So I don't need to go over that, but, <laughs> but you have four tiers. The 19 millimeter beans are the largest. Of course, you have an occasional larger one, but that's the echelon. At the very top of that, you have peaberry. Peaberry is not a, a size bean, though. Peaberry is kind of an anomaly. It's basically a mutation. Mm-hmm. Any coffee tree around the world can produce a peaberry coffee tree as a mutation. So we don't pick it selectively. We literally just get it out of our out of our um, separating processes. But it's also really rare. So about three to seven percent is peaberry crop. We can't reproduce it. We can't make our own trees that way. Um, it has a particular flavor that tends to be kind of the creme de la creme, if you will. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's rare, so it commands a high price for that too. Now, peaberry is my nemesis because when I started learning how to roast, my father had this old roaster from 1947 and he restored it. He actually traded coffee for it many years ago and he restored it. And it was basically a hobby. There was, there was no intention on me learning how to be a professional roaster at all. In fact, I hated coffee roasting back then. And he, my father likes the extra dark, which is a hair shy away from burnt. When he taught me to roast, he didn't care about me learning anybody else's coffee. He also did not want me to learn on cheaper coffee because I wouldn't learn his coffee. Mm-hmm. And to kind of scare me, I guess you could say it's probably the best way to put it. He made me roast only peaberry, the expensive stuff. And he made me roast it his way, the extra dark. He was willing to lose a lot of the coffee that I burned practicing because he wanted me to perfect his roast with mm-hmm. his coffee. 
Mm-hmm. And so that was it. I, I, I learned very slowly. This roaster has no gadgets. It's just me. I literally put my hand on it to tell how hot it is. Um, it's a propane switch and absolutely no other device at all. And so all I can do is control the flame output. So the rest is done by instincts, uh, of course, smell, um, um, taste, but not much because the coffee's too hot. Although I do put beans in my mouth and crunch them and then I spit them out. The reason why is because it's too hot to like eat it. But mm-hmm. I, but I, the main thing I need to tell when my bean is correct is the actual crunch. Because when I'm crunching the bean and then I spit it out, if it's still chewy and has a sour taste, it's still too light roasted. It's not done enough. Mm-hmm. And with a medium roast, I'm targeting a nice, medium, even smooth taste. Mm-hmm. And then into the darker ro- ranges, I'm going to target dark. Well, with my father's coffee, he likes it literally almost burnt. So I had to find a special way of pulling it at the right time. I later got an old antique computer fan and I use it as an exhaust fan to make sure that the coffee cools off properly. Mm-hmm. When you're roasting really dark roast, the coffee could then overcook in the cooling bin once you yeah, pull it out. It continues to cook. Bin. Yeah. Just okay. like a steak off the grill, it continues yep. to cook. Mm-hmm. And so when you're doing extra dark, the window of error is very small, like 20 seconds or so. So when I pull the roast, I put the cooling fan on it and I bring the temperature down immediately and that preserves the taste. Uh, because I learned this old way, a lot of the elders love my extra dark. Um, they, they know the old way. It's a very popular flavor in the, in the elders here in Kona, this extra dark flavor. kind of. Many people call it espresso roast or French roast, but really it's just extra dark. Do they like the, the dark roast because it's stronger flavor? Do they, is it more yeah. acidic or what? If you had a medium, you pulled some out and then you let it go until it was dark and you, you, made, you brewed some coffee with each one. What would I notice as far as the difference? So the extra dark has extremely bitter tones to it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, many people think that it's even smoother um, because you've burnt off the sour notes that had the medium taste. So mm. me in particular, I don't like medium roast coffee so much because it still has a soury taste to me a raw taste, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, my particular favorite roast is called Full City, which is in between medium and dark. Literally, you, you have to burn off the medium taste and you have to pull it before it hits dark roast. And, and so it's harder to achieve, but the end result is it's like chocolate in a cup. Mm. That's my particular flavor. flavor. Mm-hmm. But the elders let's just say it's more like dark chocolate versus milk chocolate. I like milk chocolate. So that's the full city and dark chocolate would be like the extra dark. Gosh. And so therefore it's just more of a preference. The elders tend to like, it's just their style. Just mm-hmm. like uh, the Japanese here tend to like the fermented taste because that's just something that the Japanese prefer. And so it's more particular that way with the elders, as far as like my dad, and anybody else, they just tend to like that flavor. I think just there's a shift in general with coffee to a more medium and I think that has more to do with the fact that more and more people are drinking quality coffee mm-hmm. and medium roast. You really have to have a better quality. Otherwise you really taste it when it's not good quality in the roast. So interesting. So I think that's more modernizing. Um, I also think there's a little bit of uh, Oh, what's that term? Uh, hipster about, about mm-hmm. medium roast. It's just <laughs> kind of like the modern thing mm-hmm. and, you know, popular that way. And you're a hipster on the island, right? I mean, come hipster on. on the island. <laughs> I'm the unique guy. I'm six foot six. I look like a oh. Viking. I wear my hat. And no way. I'm racer, so I talk with a local slang. And that's awesome. And everybody knows <laughs> art because of my hat. And I'm 
this big dude. <laughs> So when you roast coffee, uh, let's say that you just did a roast or you did a you know batch of coffee, how soon, I mean, take take us through like the, the timing on when you should be drinking, grinding it and drinking it, storing it, you know, all those things you think about. When you go to a store here, like there's a, a company called Sprouts and they have 12 different blends. You have Italian roast, French roast, this roast, that. I'm not sure what the differences really are. They don't say necessarily dark or medium or light. They give it a name like that. But I don't know how old this coffee is. How would we know when it was uh, roasted? It is hard to tell. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, the names are unfair because there's too many names out there. Italian roast tends to be medium. Mm -hmm. Vienna roast, which is in Italy, of course, is, means the same thing. French roast tends to mean extra dark. But it's not fair to have those names. So really, it should just be light through extra dark. Mm, makes sense. Um, or even extra light through extra dark if you want to be that specific. The really the thing about roasting coffee is to drink it how you like the flavor of it. There's no other way to say it. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to tell everybody how to drink their coffee. Mm -hmm. Also, there is a misnomer in the coffee world. They, basically, a lot of people think that the caffeine level changes when the roast is darker, meaning the darker the roast, the more caffeine it has. Mm -hmm. Um or excuse me, the less caffeine it has. That, that's the rumor. And the, there is a little bit of merit to that rumor. Normally people scoop coffee. When you scoop coffee, you're scooping whole bean. Mm -hmm. And when you scoop whole bean, volume becomes an equation. Light roast is a smaller bean than dark roast. Therefore, you're going to have less beans of dark roast. Therefore, you are going to have less caffeine. However, is that because the bean expands as you as you correct. cook it longer? It, it gets bigger? Oh, okay. okay. It gets bigger. It expands. and cracks. Interesting. Open. However, when you compare weight, one ounce of light roast and one ounce of dark roast has a 0.06% caffeine change, which is minuscule. And mm. so a lot of people say, oh, I mean, you need to drink dark roast because I need less caffeine, which is just untrue. Um, so, so really, roasting should be thought of as how you want to drink it. Now, when you're in the grocery store, that's hard. You pick up a bag of coffee and... There's really, unless it has a date, which most don't, um, you really can't tell. There really isn't. I can't give you any definitive answer because some coffees are going to have oily surfaces. Mm -hmm. That has more to do with the roast, though, so not, not always age. Um, some coffee um, could have been left in the sunlight, you know, and the sunlight could have damaged it. Now, as long as it's sealed, you're okay to start with. Mm -hmm. But, yes, it could be old, and there's no other way to, to know that. At Heavenly Hawaiian... For example, one of the things that we do is sell only our fresh coffee. We don't have any other type of retail sales anywhere else. So, of course, we sell online out of our store here. So, Heavenly Hawaiian has designed a coffee membership, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I wanted, I'd like to hear about that. That's Because I like to order some online and let people know how they can get it. Yeah, so the online orders would just be a one-time order. But the Coffee Club membership is not a contract. That's very important. Mm -hmm. There's no type of contract length of term there's no sign up fees cancel fees nothing like that because we sell our coffee only retail we kind of think of this as an ohana which means family and um and we sell out all of our coffee this way so we don't need to sell it retail anywhere else mm. our coffee club membership is basically free shipping to all u.s born addresses and that that includes uh regular subscription but also any other orders like a christmas order 
the subscription is pretty easy. It's built around your lifestyle. So it's one pound per shipment, Mm -hmm. but that shipment could be two half pounds to make one pound, no problem. Mm -hmm. You could stretch the shipment out as once a month or once every other month or three months, six months, whatever suits your lifestyle. And probably the most important part is how fresh the coffee goes out. So, for example, when I roast my fire roast, I roast usually on Fridays. We call it fire roasting Fridays. Um, My coffee is usually bagged up right over the weekend. By Monday morning, it's going out in the FedEx shipment on the orders. And FedEx is two days, which means you're getting my coffee five days after I've roasted it. That's amazing. Now, coffee has to sit. If you, Most people are never going to get this coffee right away anyway. But if you drink coffee right out of the roaster, it will taste really bitter. And that's because the coffee hasn't burned off the carbon dioxide and the other gases that I put in when you roast. So mm-hmm. so really, the magic number of coffee, in my personal opinion, is about three to five to even seven days after roasting. To me, that flavor, after settling for those couple of days, is when it really smooths out and it tastes just awesome. Nice. Five days. Five days would be like if I'm going to. If I'm going to compare batches, I would do it on the fifth day after roasting. Got you. Got you. So let's say that I ordered some and I waited. Let's say I knew when you were roasting it. Angelica said, okay, he just roasted a good batch and it gets shipped. I get the order and I wait. I make sure it's around five to seven days. At least I know. And I'm looking at this. I've got um, what I'm trying to figure out the best way to brew a good cup of coffee. Comparing, say, the drip. There's these little Turkish coffee uh devices and there's a French, I think it's a French press. What do you recommend? What what do you like to use? All right. So I'll say that this way, there's a ton of brewing methods out there. There's a siphon, there's a pour over. I mean, there's all kinds. Mm. So really, once again, it should be done for your personal taste. Um, At Heavenly Hawaiian, our main samples are served out of a Mr. Coffee pot with Mm. a standard ratio. And the reason why is because if anybody comes here for a standard sample, and then they buy our coffee, we want them to be able to reproduce that flavor easily. Gotcha. Then we also have our, what's called Konalani, it's our coffee bar. And that's where you can get like a pour over. Now a pour over is where you're gonna measure the temperature of the water. You're gonna measure the weight of the water actually. You're also gonna make sure the water's pure. And then you're also gonna measure exactly the grinds of the coffee. The grinds are gonna be done in what's called a burr grinder to make sure that everything is even. And then also they're going to measure every single stage of this so that when um, the coffee is is brewed, you're going to brew it with a special pour over method, which just, you know, pour over, of course, just means the hot water poured over the ground. Mm-hmm. But there is a couple of specifics, something called a bloom where you have to let the, the coffee kind of bloom up with the hot water first. Mm-hmm. Really what you're comparing is, do you want to make it sciencey or do you want to make it simple? Now, there's a ton of co- people out there. They're going to buy our Kona coffee, and they're going to make it in their Mr. Coffee Pot or their Keurig. So really, if you have good coffee going in, you're still going to get quality coming out. Mm-hmm. The pour-over tends to be the best tasting. There's some argument to that. But again, the bottom line is you're arguing specifics at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, I have done all of those fancy methods. My father tends to like his. My personal favorite is very specific, too. Um, I use a French press. I like the old school feel of the French press. I grind my coffee very coarse because I'm going to let it sit in the hot water for a lot of time. And so what I do is I grind coarse, pour it in. I first pour in my hot water just a little bit. I let it bloom and I stir the bloom. And then I finish pouring it into my French press. And I tend to use a very heavy ratio with my French press. So Mm. 
um, very thick. And then also I let it sit for typically about 10 to 15 minutes. So much longer than a lot of people tend to. I do this for a couple of reasons. I like a very thick brewed flavor coffee, not thick as in dark roaster, Mm -hmm. but thick as in the flavor, the, uh, what do you call it? Um, like a nice body, like a flavor. Yeah, like body. a nice full body. Wow. And I also add heavy whipping cream to my coffee, Ooh. which I know a lot of people will, might even laugh at, but they can laugh all they want to. Do you when think I'm father, laughing? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, imagining. I'm not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> when my father taught me how to roast and all that stories that I had, I had to drink everything. I had to drink even my burnt coffee because I mm. had to know the flavor. Mm-hmm. My dad made me drink it. And so I had to use heavy whipping cream to tone down the palate. Otherwise, I couldn't stand it. And so the cream allowed me to zone in on that palate change and taste. Um, mm. So I still drink my coffee with heavy whipping cream. Tell us how we can uh, join the coffee club at Heavenly Hawaiian. So the coffee club membership is easy. You can go online and join. You would choose what kind of coffee you want. Mm-hmm. Again, one pound per shipment, but there's variabilities with that. And then any other products are part of our free shipping too. We've got really good chocolates like like. Uh, uh, French chocolate macadamia nuts. We have chocolate covered PBA coffee beans. Mm-hmm. We are the only store on this island to have Hawaiian grown olive oil, um, which is really cool. One of our neighbors has an olive farm up uh, higher up on Mauna Kea Mountain. Mm-hmm. And we agreed to partner with him. And we now have the olive mill at our mill, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when he harvests his olives, he runs the mill. And even the tours get to see it. Um, and that presses it into olive oil, and then we sell the olive oil in our store. So we have that kind of stuff. If you were to come to this farm and look at our grass, our grass is some of the healthiest grass in Kona. We use no chemicals, no Roundup, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Every bit of the 40 acres is, is uh, weed-eated or lawn mowed. Also, your free tours to everybody that comes here. Angelica told me you had um, an amazing recipe using your coffee. So can, can you give us a little, some tips on that one, on that recipe? So you're lucky. I am. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I have never shared this recipe. Really? Before. Nope. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't um, guarantee it'll only be us uh, hearing this, but go ahead. That's okay. Well, <laughs> it has to give credit to Hawaiian Viking, which is my personal company. Love it. Okay. That's all I care about. My nickname growing up, Hawaiian Viking, because I look like a Viking, but I'm born here. So uh, the, the recipe is for Kona coffee and avocado cream pie. You're going to use good avocados. If uh, Most people are going to have to use Haas because you're doing it on the mainland. Mm-hmm. The key about using the avocados is they have to be good and right, but not like into the black stage. Mm-hmm. But you don't want them unripe. That's one of the main things. It'll give you kind of a raw taste. So good quality avocados, about four of them. And then you're going to take a block of cream cheese and softly get it soft. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna take a can of sweetened condensed milk and then a little bit of lime juice and a little bit of lemon juice and really strongly brewed cold brew Kona coffee. That's the key to the recipe is it has to be extremely strong cold brew. And that's the only way that I've found to get the coffee flavor to come in the right way. I've tried, I even made my own coffee extract once just to see if it, it would work and it didn't. Hmm. So that's this, the, the, the cold brew, extra strong, and that works. And what you do is you mix all that together and you get kind of a goopy, oh, I put some gelatin in it too. So then you get your goopy mix. And then with the crust, 
you take mashed up macadamia nuts, you take mashed up toasted coconut, you shred toasted coconut. And then, you know, those Bischoff uh, crackers that the European style crackers that you get in the airplanes and stuff. Yeah. Although you can use, you can use graham crackers. Those are good. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. The original recipe is graham cracker, but, but of course I, I made it once for those Bischoff and it was just amazing. So you take all that and you, you grind all that with a little bit of salt, a little bit of butter, and then you mash that into a pan. That's your mm-hmm. crust. You throw that in the oven and you just want to brown it and get it solidified, you know, crusted. Mm-hmm. And then you make your, your mix and you throw that in um, on top of the crust and then you throw it in the fridge and that's it. You wow. don't need to bake it or nothing. Um, the, the pie part should be done to taste. So all those ingredients, they, they really are just for taste. You can, you know, add or, I tend to not use an entire full can of the sweetened condensed milk. I've actually been talking to a friend of mine whose his wife is completely vegan and talking about some ideas to make this pie vegan so that it, it can satisfy those people as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but for now, it's made with the cream cheese and the sweet condensed milk. It sounds awesome. You've got all the ingredients are really, they, they're good on their own. You know, really good coffee, a cream cheese is awesome macadamia nuts that cookie um yeah it just it sounds amazing hopefully somebody will enjoy it and i'll hear back from them because like <sighs> well, i said i i, I was going to make it here soon because it's avocado season in hawaii i do a lot of avocado shipping for my father also so i've always got fresh avocados well you know the avocados and angelica shared some avocados one day when i was when we were out there and that the, the i don't know if you need four if they're from Kona, they were so big, no, like correct. baby watermelons. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, and they're amazing. So many different varieties. Love it. Love you it. know, I wrote this, I wrote the recipe down once and um, I did, I wrote four Haas avocados or one half of a, what's called a Linda. Oh. The Linda is the largest variety in the world. Hmm. The Linda, the current world record is on Maui, 5.6 pounds, but we Gosh. had, we had the world record before that 2018. We lost it. Mm. My dad produces the same variety and I have had avocados that are four and a half pounds myself. So they're just monsters. They're I huge. tell you, you make from guacamole. So You're the most popular yeah. guy on the Island. You know, <laughs> I make a lot of good guacamole. I make a wasabi ginger guacamole for sushi night Oof. with my girlfriend. Well, Art, uh, I want to thank you for, uh, for uh, sharing so much for the show. This is amazing. I've learned more about coffee. Um, than I would have ever thought I would ever, ever learn. And also it really motivates me to uh, to get some of your coffee. Um, but yeah, really educational, appreciate it and fun. You're a great guy. And uh, all, the only thing I'd ask you is when you see my cousin Angelica, give her a big hug. No problem, sir. I hope you have a good one and I hope that everything goes good with your podcast. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the B-Leave Podcast Network. Check it out at bleave.com. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.